is no rock like our God. There is no king. There is no other name more powerful than the name of Jesus. There is no saviour, no one who can save like our God saves. There was no one who can provide the way our God provides. There is no one who can heal like our God can heal. There is no one who can take from death to life. There is none like our God. Great confidence in those words. Amen. And you guys are looking good this morning. Thanks team for leading us confidently in that. Who's enjo- Take a seat. Who's enjoying the 40 days of prayer? Um, had a few messages from various people. Don't forget to grab your booklet. You know, it says, well, they say this takes 28 days to make a habit. We're only eight days, technically nine days in. So there's still 32, 31 days to go, which means you can still make a habit by joining in our 40 days of prayer. Um, every day there's a new scripture and encourages you to have a think about it, listen to what God's saying to you about it, and then actually write down a prayer. Um, has anyone found that easy, challenging? These are rhetorical questions. Um, good, stretching, encouraging, all sorts of things. But I found, um, I haven't actually done yesterday's, but I do have evidence. I've got the other days done. Um, I do find it a little different because I don't like to write things down. I'm just more of a ponderer. Um, so it's made me write it down and sometimes I'm writing and I'm thinking, oh, this is so generic. Um, and so I've had to stop myself and actually go to what I automatically would do, which is um, generally more a bit more worship-like, which is probably no surprise to you. Um, and anyway, so it's been a really great process and I'm looking forward to the next 31 days of it. Join with us. Um, but this week we're th- focusing on praying with confidence. Um, and I've contemplated the idea, yeah, it's up there, of um, the wording, to pray confidently versus pray with confidence. And whilst they are similar, they're actually quite distinctly different. And so we're going to unpack what it means to pray with confidence today. Rick Warren in his um, book says, when you truly know and understand your heavenly father, it will radically change your prayer life. And that's um, really what I want to speak into this morning. And if you've watched the videos, so on YouTube, um, there are six lessons that break down the 40 days. um, And you should be up to week two or session two. Um, Have a chance to to view that. And hopefully in your connect groups, you'll be able to discuss um, what you've taken away from that. But the quick summary is, if you haven't watched it yet, is that our God cares. Our God is consistent. Our God is close. God is never too busy for you and God loves to provide for us. So I've just given you the answers to the questions that your connect groups are going to ask you if you're taking notes. You might be wondering or thinking to yourself, um, pray with confidence. Hmm, I'm not a confident prayer, so what does that mean for me? Um, Is it how confidently I talk? Uh, Is it my boldness, how much I approach God with confidence, with boldness and with, you know, gusto? And I don't think those things are wrong. Um, But what I wanted to think about was our confidence in who God is. Um, To pray with confidence is about our confidence in who God is and um, what he's done and who he's made us to be and our trust being in him. So how often do we put our confidence in other things or other people? I um, 
when we travelled with kids, not lots, but when we have been interstate and we take a taxi, I've become acutely aware of the fact that I'm jumping in a car with a kid not in a car seat because you don't have to be in a taxi. So I've got this baby in the instance of the last time we travelled, Blake was like 10 weeks old, six months old both times, um, sitting on our lap in a car that I don't know who the driver is or anything about him, just the fact that he's got a taxi sign on and I've put my confidence in his driving to get me from point A to B. I mean, that's confidence, right? <laughs> Not my confidence, it's confidence in that person. And we put confidence in all sorts of things. Um, a salesman, we think about um, a salesman that's got the most bravado and is a confident speaker versus a um, salesman that has confidence in what he's selling, producing, um, and actually believes what they're saying. Like there's, There can be distinct differences um, in those things. Um, I once jumped out of a perfectly good aeroplane. Now, some might say that's stupidity, but for the sake of the illustration, there's confidence there. So think about the um, situation. So I rock up, I was 21, and um, rock up to the skydiving place. They've got a, you know, sign, phone numbers, seems legitimate, booked it in. I'm not sure that I actually knew anyone that had been with them previously. I'm not sure. Maybe, I don't know, they were down at Wellington, seemed reputable. So why not? You know, people jump out of airplanes all the time. Rock up, meet this guy. I think his name was David, I can't remember. Uh, he sort of runs through the process of what's going to happen, what I need to do. I get all geared up and kitted up and uh, they maybe, maybe showed me where they pack the parachutes, maybe. Maybe that's just on the video. I can't quite remember. It was over 10 years ago now. Um, anyway, get the rundown, get the safety briefing, tell me what I'm responsible for. Was I confident? Maybe not. Maybe at the, the outset, the thought of doing this, there were probably lots of reservations. But was I confident in him? Yes, my confidence was in him. Was I confident that somebody else had packed the parachute accurately and appropriately? Yeah, I didn't probably give it any second thought. I'm sure that my family that were watching were wondering that more than me because they weren't the ones being stupid. Um, <laughs> and anyway, so we jump on this aeroplane and it was just me and this guy we're going up into the sky and I can't remember even how many feet I jumped from. Um, has anyone skydived before? Just a show of hands so I'm not the only silly person in the room. One, two, three, four. Is that it? Wow, okay. The odds are against us, guys. Um, everyone's going to gang up against our... Sorry? Yep. <laughs> um, we're all here, the ones that jumped. <laughs> oh. Wow. I wonder what the statistics are. They're very low of those who don't make it. It's safe. Anywho, so we're up in the sky and I, I really have no idea what I'm thinking. I don't know. Even watched back the video and I think I'm just like, oh, the heck, what, what am I doing? And it was just something I wanted to do. Um, I don't now have any desire to jump out of a plane. Um, I think kids might have had something to do with that. But um, uh, so anyway, we hook up. I, my confidence was in the fact that he hooked himself to me accurately and safely and that, that I was not in control of that. That was all his responsibility. So the plane, parachute being packed, the hooking on, 
the fact that he's going to pull the cord. All these things I'm not in control of, but I've put my confidence in him. Um, let's call him Dave. I really should remember that guy's name because, you know, I've put my life in his hands and everything. Anyway, we jump out the plane. And I think, you know, you kind of throw your head back over their shoulder and you just kind of, I don't know, lean forward. I think I had to put my... Actually, that was probably the hardest thing for me. So you swing the door wide open and you swing and you sort of sit on the edge of this plane, 10,000, 12,000 feet in the sky with your feet dangling out the side, some guy strapped to your back and he says, put your head back on my shoulder and then he just launches this way and over we go. And the free fall, oh my goodness, it was the best feeling. I would do that part again, no worries. Um, the getting there and the part after, not so much. Loved the free fall. My confidence was in the fact that he was going to pull that cord and the parachute was going to work, which it did because I'm here. However, when we got to the... Um, oh, there was another guy who was jumping at the same time who was filming the whole process. So I get a visual memory of it. And I showed my kids not that long ago. Um, <laughs> I don't want them to do it. <laughs> um, I don't think Mason will. I th he's nearly eight. Um, Riley, probably. Riley's nearly five. I think everyone's in agreement. Blake, yet to be seen. He won't even sit on a trike at the moment, so we're, we're safe with this one. Um, the parachute part, I don't know whether it just got to my head or I started thinking more and the adrenaline had just, I don't know. I was like, I'm seeing stars. And I said to the guy, I'm like, I'm not feeling so great. <laughs> He's like, that's all right, we'll just get down as fast as we can. And so I'd enjoyed the free fall, seeing about all, you know, all over the Murray River and Wellington and for Lake Alexandrina and stuff, and then what should have been the really lovely scenic experience that was just cruisy. I was, see, I literally was seeing stars. Anyway, so he takes us to the ground, and um, I remember this more so via the video that um, I couldn't, like, you're supposed to lift your legs up to here so that they can land with their feet. My legs were like a ton of bricks. I couldn't do anything. Um, and then um, the video comes in and like, how are you feeling? And I was like, ah, I just need something to drink. <laughs> I think I was green. Um, I know I had a V and then I was all good. And I, was, I don't know, you're just one of those silly things you do in life. But um, anyway, the, the illustration for the purpose of my confidence being in something else. Um, I wasn't super confident about it and I've, there's no way I'd jump out of plane on my responsibility of me packing a parachute and me pulling the cord um, without lots and lots of training, of course. Um, but I had put my confidence in him. Um, and so anyway, that got me thinking about how we pray with confidence. And so how much more than Dave does our Heavenly Father love us and want the best for us? Um, confidence is not so much about our boldness, but our trust in who he is. And like Rick Warren says in this week's teaching, God cares, he's consistent, he's close, he's never too busy for us, and he loves to provide for us. And there's so many more things about God that we can um, put our confidence in. And I love this scripture in Jeremiah 17, verse 7. It says, Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. Blessed is the one who trusts. And if I think about someone who was blessed because they trusted confidently in God, it was Daniel. So we're going to look at Daniel today. Daniel was an Israelite who was exiled um, into Babylon. He was well educated. He was part of the royal family somewhere there. Um, he was knowledgeable of um, 
the biblical texts at the time of the prophets. He rose to influence. He was, um, they said, young, of well, well, good stature, um, even to the point where in the, that first chapter of Daniel talks about um, that the king Nebuchadnezzar gathers all of the, the young, astute men um, and they want to feed them all the king's fine food and train them for three years. And Daniel says, and three other guys, which is Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego in the end, I never actually sort of put that together until I started reading it, um, that they didn't want to eat the king's food. They said, feed us vegetables and water for 10 days and um, just see that we won't be as strong or even better than everyone else. And the guy who was in charge was like, I can't give you that because if you are not meeting the mark by the king in those 10 days, then I'll have my head chopped off. Um, And Daniel convinced him and said, well, just trust me. Um, And he trusted God because he put his confidence in God that he would be fine after having vegetables and water for 10 days. And what happens? All good. And in fact, they were 10 times better than the other guys. Um, So God blessed Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego with um, knowledge, with understanding. And it says all that in Daniel chapter 1. Interesting. Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego are the Babylonian names for three other guys who I can't remember what their Israelite names, Jewish names were. Um, And I found it fascinating, just as an aside, total aside, that Daniel's name remained Daniel, although they called him Belteshazzar. Um, And then we hear of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego with their Babylonian names and not their original names. Just something to ponder about. I like to think of some of these random things. Anyway, story goes on. Nebuchadnezzar has a dream and no one could interpret it. And um, he was so annoyed with all of the uh, magicians and the whatever other words they used to describe those people that would interpret dreams um, that he decided that they should all die. And Daniel said, wait, 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 wait. Um, and he went and prayed and asked God to reveal the mystery of this dream. So what King Nebuchadnezzar didn't do was tell him his dream and ask for it to be inter- interpreted. He actually said, tell me my dream and then interpret it. So the, the guys, like, they were clueless because they had no idea what he dreamed. Um, wouldn't it be fascinating, like one of those guys, just to make up something? I don't know what they did. We don't hear about that. But anyway, so Daniel prayed to God and God revealed that mystery to him and King Nebuchadnezzar thought... That was right. Uh, So he promoted him um, and recognised that there was power in Daniel's God, as they refer to him, and that he was great. And this sort of cycle goes on a couple of times with a couple of different kings, same king, King Nebuchadnezzar, and we know the story, or you might know the story of Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, where they get thrown into the fiery furnace because they don't bow down to the king. Um, Again, their confidence was in God. They just got in this furnace and walked out totally unsinged. Um, showing glory to God again. King Nebuchadnezzar died. Uh, Daniel interpreted a dream of his and said he was... Actually, he wasn't died. He went out into the wilderness and it was all as Daniel had interpreted and it all happened. King Nebuchadnezzar's son becomes king and he um, had dreams that Daniel interpreted too. And then he was... His, the a dream of his was interpreted as if... He was going to die. It died. He died just as it said he would. Um, so Darius, the Mede, ruled where we're going to pick it up in a minute in Daniel 6. So Daniel was had risen. He was so esteemed and accomplished um, in amongst those people that 
he was one of three um, sort of heads of the governors, I guess, of the day. Um, it says he was so distinguished that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. So the other two um, heads and 120 governors conspired against him. Imagine that. Imagine having over 120 people conspire against you. Like not just one person turn against you and think that you're a bad dude, but 120 out to get you. But they could find no corruption in him. It says he was trustworthy and he was neither corrupt nor negligent. So they decided it would have to be something to do with his faith, which they obviously knew about because he had been showing who God is to them for the last five chapters. Um, And so they went to the king to issue a decree and asked the king to say that no one is to pray to any god or any human for that matter, but the king for 30 days. And so the king said, yep, sure, that's a great idea. Um, It seems to be a pattern of these kings that they recognise God's goodness, glory, greatness, and then they want the power for themselves. And there's this juggle all the way through. So we're going to pick it up in Daniel chapter 6, verse 10, if you've got your Bibles there. I've got my new Bible. Well, it was new at Christmas time. And it's really pretty. I thought it would make me want to read it out. Like I read my Bible on my phone all the time and I thought this would make me want to read it in paper more but I haven't quite got that far until we've been doing this one. And now I've been highlighting it in there as well which is really exciting. So Daniel chapter 6 verse 10. Now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Interesting, the windows were open. Three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God just as he had done before. So there was a habit there. Then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. So they went to the king and spoke to him about his royal decree. Did you not publish a decree that during the next 30 days, anyone who prays to any God or human being except you, your majesty, would be thrown into the lion's den? So the king answered, the decree stands in accordance with the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be repealed. At this point, they hadn't said that they'd seen anyone. They were just asking, is your word still true, king? So they said to the king, well, Daniel is one of the exiles from Judah, like the king didn't know who Daniel was, and he's paying no attention to you, your majesty, or to the decree you have written. He says, uh, he still prays three times a day, and when the king heard this, he was greatly distressed, because remember, he loved Daniel, he um, esteemed him. He was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort until sundown to save him. Then the men went as a group back to the king, 120 men, back to the king, and said to him, Remember, your majesty, that according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, no decree or edict that the king issues can be changed. And so the king gave the order and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve, continually rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the rings of the nobles so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. And then the king returned to his palace and spent the night without eating and without any entertainment being brought to him and he could not sleep. Interesting here that we don't hear right now in the crisis of Daniel praying. So Daniel prayed. When the decree was issued, he prayed three times a day, just as he did every other day, but there's not actually a mention of it right now in the crisis. 
At the first light of dawn, verse 19, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you've served continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? Verse 21, Daniel answered, May the king live forever. My God sent his angel and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight. Nor have I ever done any wrong before you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him because he had trusted in God. His confidence was in God. How cool is that? Um, The last verse 24 is not a great outcome for those, I assume, 120 um, other men. But it wasn't just them, it was their families and their children who were thrown into the lion's den and demolished. Um, You can read that in your own time. But Daniel trusted God and he had confidence in him. And why did Daniel have that confidence, I guess, is a a good question to ask. You know, he prayed regularly um, and it says in later in Daniel, and obviously you see it through there, he... Um, he knew the teachings of God. He knew the teachings from the prophets. Um, it says he was immersed in the scriptures. He understood them. He knew God's promises and his word. Um, he had confidence in God all through the account. So up to that point, I've sort of tried to highlight those pockets of confidence. But you keep reading and there's just great confidence in God. Um, I think the Psalm 33 verse 4 it would be true for Daniel. For the word of God is right and true. He is faithful in all he does. Daniel left his life in God's hands. Um, I like how it said, da, 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 over here in verse 21, 22, um, they've not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight. So he left it to God to decide if he was innocent or not um, and that he'd never done anything wrong to the king. Um, in Romans 12 verse 2, it says, Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. I feel like that's what Daniel did. He wasn't conforming to the fact that he had to um, not pray, as was issued by the law at the time. He was being transformed by God in him. Um, and then it says, Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. And I, that's what Daniel did, hey? Um, Romans 12 verse 2. A great example. So where does your confidence come from? What can we learn from Daniel? I think a lot. The more time you spend with someone, the more confidence and trust can be built. And that's not something that you can shortchange fast track. It's a, it's a lifelong journey. But you do have to step out. And some of that is our responsibility. And then of a whole lot of it is what God's put in front of us, like Trevor was praying about. Like God's, it's all there for us. We have to choose to take it and to believe it. And isn't that what faith is? Like we, we step out in faith, being confident and sure of who God is, for him to be our saviour. And then there's this whole, God, you can be my saviour. There's this whole other 7,000 promises in the Bible and who he is that we can take hold of as well. So anyway, what do we learn from Daniel? I've got two main points. One is pray anyway. doesn't matter what the law says. Our law does not currently prohibit us from praying, but it might be a circumstance that's saying don't pray. It might be a relationship in your world that's saying don't pray. It might just be a feeling that you have going, I can't pray, I can't pray, don't pray. Pray anyway. Make a decision in your heart that you're going to pray anyway, just as he did every other time, Daniel says. 
in verse 10. He always did it. He had a habit. Um, the fact that he prayed three times a day, um, they said wasn't custom, wasn't that he had to pray three times a day because that was sort of what the Jews did at the time, at least did at the time. No, it was actually that he just decided that he was praying three times a day. Um, Sometimes I don't have the words to put together to pray and you might think, I just don't know what to pray. For me, worship is prayer to a melody. I've said that so many times. That we can put on a worship song and it gives us the words that we can pray and speak. But actually for me, it's singing. Or we can speak in tongues. That's another gift that God's given us to be able to pray where the Holy Spirit intervenes. Um, and it's a gift that anyone can have. And I encourage you, if you don't know how to speak in tongues, then probably in your connect groups this month is a really great time to be asking um, people to pray with you. I mean, ask God absolutely on your own. But my experience is that when you gather with others who have got that gift and you seek God for that, um, you can learn a few little tips that make it easy to get out of your head Maybe not easy, but make it possible for you to get out of your head and you're thinking, what the heck am I doing, um, and just let your tongue and your body converse with God. Um, so speak with your connect group leaders or feel free to come and ask me about it. Um, one of my most memorable experiences is leading people um, into that place where they can speak in tongues. Um, it's really cool. Um, but just, yeah, not it's not with our words um, and what we can conjure up but pray anyway I like to just put music on and um, particularly if I'm like my prayers just seem really dry and just oh dear God help me with blah 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 when I put music on it takes me to a different place it takes me out of my thinking and into a spiritual zone and I've been really encouraged by um, a couple of webinars over this COVID time. Um, a friend of ours, Kathy Clancy, who some of you will know has come and ministered here, um, was doing some prophetic worship webinars over the shutdown period. Oh, cheapest, it's 11 o'clock already. Awesome. <laughs> um, and yeah, just really encouraged us to step out into the prophetic in our worship. So I was putting, literally putting on some instrumental music. Maybe grabbing a scripture or just thinking what God's put on your heart and then singing it. And um, so that's really encouraged me and I uh, have stepped out confidently um, in sharing that with a few different people that I think will be really um, accommodating of me sending this random song that I sing to them. Um, but it's choosing to pray anyway. Where, what is your first reaction in a crisis? Is it prayer? Is it going straight to God? I know sometimes mine is and sometimes mine isn't. Um, just completely honest, like I could freak out about, I don't know, we haven't got money to do something or I don't know, something with the kids. We can just go straight to our head place and freak out about whatever it is. But is it to go straight to prayer? That's what Daniel did. He went straight to his room, opened the windows, prayed out over the city and prayed. Anyway, so point one, pray anyway. Point two, know his promises. I think that was something that really came through strongly in the story of Daniel. He knew the scriptures. He knew what had been prophesied. He knew what God had done and was going to do through some of those um, prophetic ministries. Um, and in, I think I've just mentioned it just before, there are 7,000, over 7,000 promises in the Bible. So if you think, I'm a really good prayer, I'm a confident prayer, I know the promises... 
There are 7,000, so you can still do more learning. There's still more to memorize. I know when it gets to a crisis point, I blank. I'm like, oh, I can't think of those things. I just, I want to grab them out of my brain and they just don't come. Um, there are 7,000, so I think the more we can shove them in there, repeat them again and again and again, the more likely they're going to come out in the crisis situations. But I know that the times that I feel weakest um, and out of control is when I don't have God's promises in front of me or coming out of me. So I've written a few down to um, prompt you and me um, to remind us. So 1 Peter 5 verse 7 says, Cast all your cares on me. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, Trust in the Lord, lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Maybe it's in a relationship that's just, you know, you've been let down or jaded or something. Ephesians 4, 2, be patient, bearing with one another in love. Perhaps you're anxious. Psalm 46, verse 1, he is my refuge and strength, an ever-present help in times of need. Maybe you're worried about finances or something else. Luke 1, 37, nothing is impossible for God. Ephesians 3.20, God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all we could ask or imagine. He is able. In sickness, 1 Peter 2 verse 24, by his wounds you have been healed. Perhaps you're lonely. Hebrews 13.5, promise, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. There are so many scriptures um, that you can write down, write them down, say them, repeat them again and again and again because it's not the confidence with which we say them purely. It's actually our confidence and our trust in God that those words are true because they are. His word is living and breathing and true every day, like I said from that scripture in Psalm. So the things that we are responsible for is to not be timid. You know, I couldn't be timid when I jumped out the plane. I just had to put on my big girl panties and off we went. I couldn't doubt. There was no point doubting. Like, that would have been really silly to try and jump out a plane, but doubt that I, I don't, don't think that they would let someone who's in that state of mind of doubt and worry probably on the plane in the first place. David didn't approach Goliath timidly. He knew he was small, but he just trusted. He was confident in God that he'd been called to do the job of slinging the rock at this nine-foot-tall guy. Daniel prayed with the window wide open. He wasn't trying to hide the fact that he was praying. Don't doubt. James 1.6 says, When you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Don't doubt. Pretty simple. Simple to read. Harder to get in your spirit. But don't wonder if. John 15.7 says, if we had this one in... Um, earlier in this week was one of our daily scriptures. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done. Simple. It will be done. Don't wonder if, but my words must remain in you, he says. If my words remain in you and you remain in me. Hebrews 13, 6. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid. The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. Awesome. So where do you look? Is your confidence in God? It comes from stepping out. I'm sure that Daniel was freaking out when he was interpreting those dreams. Like, you know, to wake up from a dream and think, oh, I don't know about you, but I have some really crazy dreams. And if I were to wake up and think about them and think that that was interpreting something, 
No. <laughs> um, but he had confidence that that was God revealing that to him. Um, and he trusted God. Just as that scripture, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways. So the more we know about God, the more we know about his character, we can see his hand at work, the greater confidence we can have. And like I said, that's not going to happen overnight. It's a long, lifelong journey. It's a long distance journey, not a short sprint. But it starts with faith. It starts with a conversation and a little bit of faith. Our faith in him. I'll just invite the team back up. Because faith is confidence in what we can't see. It's being sure of that. It's hope. His promises that I was just saying, and like I said, go and find 7,000 of them. His promises will come alive in our life when our relationship is alive. I think it can't be one or the other. It's going to be both hand in hand. So let's just close our eyes right now. And maybe you can think about one of those promises that you've read. Or perhaps if you don't know any, let me give you one. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. Just think about that for a moment. You might be there sitting in your seat, sitting at home thinking, I'm, I'm just not the confident, I'm not eloquent with words. I don't like putting them together. He's put them here for us. He's not asking us to come up with our own stuff. But in fact, when we put our confidence in Him and declare the promises, God, thank You that You never leave us. Thank You that You never forsake us. I know that You are for me, not against me. No weapon formed against you will prosper. You are my refuge and my strength, my ever-present help in times of need. I have for you, says the Lord. Put that in a prayer. God, thank you that you know the plans, that you have plans for me, that they are plans to prosper us, not to harm us. We thank you that they are plans that give hope. We thank you that they are plans that give future. God has put all these powerful, confidence-filling words in front of us in His living, breathing Bible. They're ours to take, to use, to grab and to declare over our own lives. They are all applicable. So as you've got your eyes closed, perhaps there's somebody here um, or if you're watching online that you haven't actually even started that first step of just saying, God, I believe in you and I want to take on these promises for myself as well. It starts with a conversation. And we're going to pray a prayer that invites Jesus to be your Lord and Saviour so that you can um, begin on that journey to know Him more, to understand Him more, to see His goodness at work in your life. And I just totally believe that 
when we make that decision, we start, our, our eyes are opened to what God is doing constantly in our circumstances. So we're all going to pray this together. And if you pray this online, as, if you're watching online, pray it as well. Say it after me. I believe in Jesus. I believe He's the Son of God. He died for my sins and rose to life. God, I'm sorry for my sins. And I ask You to forgive me. I accept Jesus as my personal Saviour. And I ask You to lead me all my days. Thank You for saving me. Thank You for giving me Your Word. Thank You that Your promises are yes and amen. I thank You that I can read Your Word and apply it to my life. And God, I know that you are for me. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. If you did pray that for the first time, I'd love you to come and speak to me after the service or if you're watching online, there's a spot on our website that you can go to. Let us know. We would love to encourage you in that journey of um, knowing and um, yeah, developing a relationship with Jesus and understanding how much He is for us and He's not against us and He wants the best for you. And um, I really hope that's encouraged you this morning and to pray with confidence. Pray confidently, but pray with confidence. Don't worry about how it comes out or, you know, having the biggest bravado, the loudest voice or the most eloquent words. Pray with confidence because who God is, is greater than what we can ever understand. And we're just going to keep declaring His goodness. So the team's going to lead us in a song this morning. And um, I just wanted to pull out exactly those, like I said, words in songs come out to me. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. You can pray that. You can sing it. It doesn't really matter. Worship, prayer, you know. They're talking to God like John preached last week. It's communication. Communication with God. I love that lyric. Um, the chains will fall, the prisons shake, prisons break at the sound of Jesus' name. Now, I haven't seen a prison break down, but I know in the Bible, Paul and Silas, they were chained in jail. The blood was on their back, but they sang with songs and hymns, praises to God, and the, the walls of the prison shook and broke and they were free. So, you know, just another example of God's Word, living and true. And we're going to declare that this morning. So thanks, guys. You take us away with that.